a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. I am Evan Gigline and here with Pastor Hope, uh, the pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Pastor Hope, I like pastor that. Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. <laughs> hey, Pastor Hope. Yeah. Well, uh, what do we got lined up today for Table Talk Radio? We, it looks like we're going to uh, horse around for this first segment. we got some advertising to do and uh, and some listener response. And then we are going to play everyone's favorite game, Law and or Gospel, uh, for a little while. And then we are going to play everyone's favorite game, Ten Commandments in the News. Well, uh, But first, we have buzzwords. Buzzwords. Ah! All right. Well, you want to go first? Yes. My buzzword. I have another buzz phrase for you, and it's Latin. Aha. I get to teach some eighth graders uh, theology, and I... And I teach them all these Latin phrases because if you know a couple Latin phrases, uh, everyone thinks that you're uh, that you're really quite something. So, uh, so it's impressive to have a few of these to throw around. And here's one: it is sola scriptura, which means Bible alone. Uh, the phrase sola scriptura means that when we um, when we ask ourselves what voice has authority, what voice teaches us, what, where do we go to learn about God and uh, the things of salvation, the answer is to the scriptures alone. Not scriptures and tradition and the living voice of the church, not scriptures and reason and experience. No, uh, Bible alone, scripture alone. Right. Um, well, we can talk about that later. I'll, 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 t- I'll bring it up later so I can in my buzzword. Um, but yep. the buzzword I have for you is, is Nestorianism. Oh, nice. And this is uh, the belief that uh, the man Jesus and the divine Son of God are, uh, are not uh, a unified, uh, they're two different, two different beings or two different persons. Is that a, a fair way to describe it? Yes, Nestorius separates the two natures of Christ. Uh, while we want to distinguish them without separating, Nestorius separates them, and his counterpart on the other side, Eutychius, uh, blends them together so that they one gets lost in the other. So, uh, yeah, Nestoriasm has this uh, unbiblical uh, separation of the two natures of Christ. So, And the way this game buzzword works is we try to work these words casually into the conversation uh, for an award of up to 500 points. Yes, and on a scale based on how naturally you work it in. Right. Okay, well, that's how buzzword works. And uh, this first segment, we want to tell you about a couple things. The first one being our uh, brand spanking new website. 
And uh, this is the address is the same, tabletalkradio.org. Uh, but you, you'll see it. If you go to tabletalkradio.org now, you're going to see a new look to Table Talk Radio. And uh, we, we just kind of reamped our website, and I uh, wanted to tell you about it. Uh, but this is actually a lot better than our last one uh, because I didn't do all of the, the work on it. So that, that's mo- mostly why it's better. <laughs> um, but no, we have. Yeah, I think it looks really nice. <laughs> we have all what the, are some of the new features of this website here? Well, uh, maybe the, the, uh, the, the greatest feature here is if I click on over to the podcast page and then um, – uh, click on one of the shows. They, they, they each uh, show gives you like a keyword. So I just clicked on, for example, show sixty-seven, and I see all these different uh, topics that were discussed in show sixty-seven. For example, um, at uh, b- the blasphemy challenge. For some reason, we we're talking about this, you know, the blasphemy thing, the committing the the unpardonable sin. So if you click on that, it brings up all the shows we talked about that or all, any articles we've written about that. And, and so everything just kind of shows up on one page. So you want to go back and see what did, what did the jokers at Table Talk Radio discuss when they were talking about amillennialism? Click on that and you have a whole list of, of articles and podcasts that we've talked about it. This, I mean, it sounds like I might even visit our website. <laughs> Maybe you could put. And people a, can still uh, have conversations about this stuff. Is that true? Yes. So w- when you're on the the page itself, you, you got to you know make a little a free username and, and login for yourself, but it takes seconds to do. But then you can make comments on this uh, right here. So unfortunately, our, our forum will cease to exist. But that's maybe a good thing. Um, but uh, here you can post your comments right here and, and discuss with other listeners as well. One of the other nice things here is we have this. Uh, Table Talk Radio Buzzword Glossary. <laughs> all, all the buzzwords we've ever used on Table Talk Radio uh, are defined here on the on the the website in alphabetical order. So that's kind of nice to uh, go back and and by the way, um, uh, Pastor Wolfman, there you had uh, you had the first uh, duplicate buzzword. You used incarnation when it's already been used. So oh. So My bad. You lose 500 I, I, points for that. I'll have, to ch- I'll have to check the glossary to see what we've used. This is hand- you know a lot of pe- the buzzwords is I think a handy sort of thing because a lot of people uh, when they talk about doing theology they say you have to dumb this stuff down. You can't use words that people don't know uh, because then you're not communicating. Well, th- I mean that's true to use word you you can't use words that people don't know because you're not communicating. But the problem is that we should learn these words. I mean. Uh, the church has a particular language that we use to talk about theology and about the teaching of our Lord Jesus, and, and we don't just need to dumb that down so that no one knows it. We need to teach it. So uh, that's what we're after with this uh, buzzword game and with our buzzword glossary. So I think this will be helpful. Well, I do want to thank a couple of people about this website. Uh, first of all, my uh, cousin and friend, Jesse Gigline, he set up the, the, the hard part of it is getting this kind of the structure put up. And I did a little work on it. But then uh, Dan over at Necessary Roughness, he has a blog, uh, necessaryroughness.org. He spent all this time uh, going through our old shows and loading it onto our new website and kind of categorizing, entering these these keywords and, and terms and stuff. So uh, poor poor Dan, you know, he had to go through listen to all these old shows of ours. So uh, he's... Uh, several several years off of purgatory for that, but also I want to award Dan and Jesse both uh, a thousand Table Talk Radio points each for all the work they did on our website. Well, one more thing I want to tell you about uh, on this web web page: if you click on the support tab, uh, you're going to find out about our brand new Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club. Woohoo! I, <laughs> I guess you kind of set you, you 
we, we talked about this before in one of our promos, but now it's a little bit more official. Uh, you you have uh, different choices of ranks you can be in the Reformation Glee Club if you want. The, the, the lowest rank or tier, if you will, is a radio clown for only $2 a month. And the next one is the Table Talk Radio Pietist <laughs> for $5 a month. And then you can be an, nice. I, an iron listener for $10 a month. And the, uh, the the top tier then is for $20 a month, you could be a theological bull rider. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And if you guys are, are able to join our Glee Club and support us, that would be fantastic. You know, we don't have a lot of bills. We don't have to pay salaries and this sort of thing. But it does cost... Uh, it does cost a bit of money to keep the show going for some equipment and for some other things that we have, and uh, uh, as well as the airtime that we have here and there. So, if you guys are able to help, um, it would be it would be marvelous to have you as part of the a club. Is are there any benefits for being part of this thing? By the yeah, way? Uh, just table talk radio points. <laughs> we got lots of points for you. As many <laughs> just as many points as you want. Oh yeah, you can have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, well, the one more final thing that we, we want to talk about before we go, if we have time to talk about some of our listeners, uh, is this new book that Pastor Wolfmiller has out, uh, published by CPH. Uh, final Victory is the name of it. Pastor, you want to tell us a little bit about this book? Sure. You know, this is really kind of exciting. This is the first real official sort of book booklet thing uh, that I have out there. But this, it's uh, contemplating the death and burial of a Christian. It's a uh, it's a book that starts out about the theology of death. Uh, it talks about um, a burial, has a lot of questions and answers in there. There has a, a commentary on the funeral service, has a section on grief, and then a section on planning uh, funeral services as well. So I hope it's a help for the Lord's people and that it offers comfort in the midst of this grief. And you can find it from CPH. I think it's nine bucks or something like this. Uh, for this book, so uh, if you guys are interested in the topic, uh, you can find it there. And I'd love to have the feedback as well. Uh, if you read something in there that's particularly comforting, or if you have questions, then uh, don't hesitate to get a hold of me uh, and let me know what you think. We might do uh, some, uh, try to turn it into a game, although how, how do you turn conversations about death into a game on Table Talk Radio? <laughs> we'll I don't think exactly about that. know yet. <laughs> we'll have to think about that. Now, you can get it at cph.org for $9.00. Or on our website, tabletalkradio.org, for $50. So either either one, there's a, there's a small markup on our website. Uh, but oh, man. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we have just about a, a little over a minute remaining in this segment before we go to our break and start playing Law and Our Gospel. And we just have, I think, one uh, response uh, from one of our recent shows. I think recently we, we played uh, – what, what were we playing? Uh Christian or secular or something like that, and we're talking about how these these so-called Christian bands are marketing, trying to you know market the Christian message into their their music and sell CDs and albums. And uh, Pastor Wolfman, you said the gospel is not a marketable commodity. And uh, one of the the posters in our forum said that I would like to buy a T-shirt with Pastor Wolfman's quote: "The gospel is not a marketable commodity." And he said that he could, we could put a picture of Saint Peter being crucified upside down on the T-shirt as well. Oh, That's pretty good. All right. Well, we're going to play uh, Law and Our Gospel right after this break. While we're, during this break, check out our brand new website, tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back to play Law and Our Gospel. Don't go away.
Table Talk Radio, where theology meets immaturity. Hi, this is Evan Gigline. Thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you ever wanted to be a radio clown yourself? Now you can with the Table Talk Radio Reformation Glee Club membership. This is my favorite Reformation Glee Club. Really? Tell them how we uh, sign up for the Reformation Glee Club. Yeah, why don't you tell them that, Evan? Oh, well, you just go to our website at tabletalkradio.org and click the support tab. Why don't you tell us uh, the different levels? Uh, yeah, why don't, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> okay, well, there's the radio clown, the table talk radio pietist, the iron listener, or the theological bull rider. Yeah. Why don't right you tell right. them what we get? Uh, yeah, why, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> well, if you sign up for the Reformation Glee Club, you get table talk radio points for every dollar you donate. Oh, nice. Love those radio points. We really do appreciate all the support for Table Talk Radio so we can continue to bring you everyone's favorite Lutheran theological game show. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Law and our gospel is the game we're playing. But first, Pastor, I forgot to, this this happened forever ago as our listeners are hearing this, but uh, because we played Iron Preacher last week, I forgot to ask you about your trip to the seminary and and mostly, uh, how was uh, Miss America? <laughs> I didn't get to see Miss America when I was there. Uh, so I, I guess she was fine. I, I heard that... Uh, a couple of the students went to see her, and that and that some uh, people from the community and their favorite color was green. I can't remember what else came from the conversation. So <laughs> that's my I'm favorite color I, too. <laughs> I'm sorry that I wasn't able to give uh, her your number. Yeah, you're supposed to give her one of our Table Talk radio cards, but highlight my name. Yeah, that's right. I was, and I'm sorry. So I was uh, talking to a couple of deaconesses there and passing along your name. So when I couldn't talk to Miss America, so. Is this the Who Wants to Date a Seminarian segment? Okay, let's play uh, Law and, and or Gospel. Is there a, is there a new uh, tab on our new website, Who Wants to Date a Seminarian? <laughs> Send in your applications. Oh, we ran out of space. The server's full. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have a, do you have a uh, passage for me for Law and or Gospel? Yes. Today's passages for Law and or Gospel are brought to you by the Apostle Paul. His letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, especially. Now, the way this game works uh, is that we're going to give each other passages, either from the Scriptures or from somewhere else, although I just have passages from the Scripture. And then we're going to ask each other this question, is this text law and or gospel? Now, how do you tell the difference? The law are, are really those texts in the Scripture where God tells us what we are to do, to be holy and pleasing to him. Uh, and because we're sinners, th- these same passages also show us that we don't do that, that we fail uh, to bring glory to God by our lives, by our thoughts and deeds and actions, etc., etc. The gospel, on the other hand, is the good news that Christ died for sinners. It doesn't command, it only gives. It doesn't threaten, it forgives. The, the gospel is the promise of the forgiveness of all of our sins for the sake of Jesus' death on the cross. And when we read the Bible, we want to be asking these questions. Is it law or is it gospel? So that's the game, and that's how it works. And here is the first text for you, Ephesians chapter 2, 
verse 1, 2, and 3. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. What was that reference again? Ephesians 2, 1, 2, and 3. Good. Um, this is a, a wonderful passage. Uh, this this actually shows us both law and gospel, um, because it, it talks about what we formerly were. Uh, can you read that part again? Sure. Uh, let's see the here. Formerly... You once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, and so, just so, as the others. And so, so far in uh, this text so f- that you just read, we see um, who we are in our flesh. This, this is the flesh that we're born into. This flesh that uh, is focused on sin, that rebels against God, is an enemy of God, uh, that is literally dead spiritually. So now then, uh, Paul tells us uh, this, this glorious gospel in light of this, this flesh that we were born into. And Pastor, read that part again. Well, that's the very first part where he says, you he made alive. Right. And that's, that's gospel. He, he, he makes us alive by his death. And, that, and that's the wonderful thing about Christianity is that, that our, our life, our spiritual life, comes from his death. Uh, that, that Jesus would die on the cross for all these, these terrible things that, that we do that he takes on himself. And so that by his death, we now then are given life. And given life, uh, as we talk about, uh, through the means of grace, uh, through the Holy Spirit, the, the proclaiming of, of God's word, and also through the holy sacraments, uh, holy baptism, and uh, the Lord's Supper. Yeah, it's just it's quite marvelous, isn't it, that 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 our conversion, that our becoming Christians, is a moving from death to life. Now, uh, uh, if you were to just go and ask your standard non-Christian if they're alive, they would say, well, yeah, but but here we have a, des- a description of death, walking according to the desires of the flesh and the sinful desires of the mind, doing whatever you want, fulfilling your own lusts, chasing after your own pleasure. This is, in the uh, in the Bible's understanding, this is death, but life comes. Uh, when when the death of Jesus replaces our own death, and, and so then we have life, which is to know God's will uh, and to know his good pleasure. So it is quite a marvelous text, huh? It really is. And you are right. Law and gospel are both there. So you get how many points for this thing? 200 points. 1,000, I think. 200 points. Okay. All right. All right. Wonderful. All right. Do you have, uh, uh, or excuse me, are you ready for, for this next passage? I am. Okay. It's uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse okay. 48. Okay. And it says this, uh, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Whew. Uh, this is a difficult text. Um. This is uh, it is a text of law. Uh, in fact, this whole passage here is 
um, where Jesus, what he's doing is he's taking the really the Ten Commandments and the Law of Moses, and he is he is unfolding it for us, showing um, uh, show, showing the spiritual meaning of it. So so he he says, look, you you think you might keep the law because you haven't killed anyone. Because you haven't, um, uh, you know, you haven't gone and, and uh, had adultery with some other woman, this sort of thing. But this is, um, th- this is a, uh, this is not enough. The real keeping of the law is the righteousness in the heart. So Jesus will say something as astounding as this. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, is that? Um, it is not enough to just to have this sort of marvelous outward purity. The law demands more. It demands a love in the heart for your neighbor. It demands a, a purity with your eyes and, and with your heart as well uh, to keep the fifth and sixth commandments. In other words, the holiness that the law requires is so extreme that you have to have the holiness of God. You have to be, look, at you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And and, uh, and this is just absolutely astonishing. It's true that we have to be this perfect because God cannot look upon iniquity. His eyes cannot see it. Uh, there's this marvelous little verse in Habakkuk that says just that uh, same, just that very thing that the the eyes of the Lord are too pure to behold iniquity. So that we have to we have to attain a, a holiness that is equivalent to His. Uh, of course, the point is that we can't by our own works or by our own efforts. So this law is so extreme that it, it points us almost immediately to the fact that we have to get another sort of righteousness and holiness and perfection, the perfection that comes only uh, through the gift and grace of God, that is, through the gospel. But I'm going to take this uh, this verse as law, uh, which points us to the gospel, points us to our need for the gospel especially. Yeah, that's right. And that's exactly what we need because... Uh, how often that we uh, view ourselves not in light of, of what God demands, God's perfection, but we so often evaluate ourselves in light of other people. You know, we, we say, well, I'm not as bad as the murderers out there. You know, I've, you know I, I, I generally give money to the poor. I'm a nice person. You know, I, I try to help others when I can. But, it, but God isn't, isn't evaluating you ba- based upon your neighbor, he doesn't ask you to be better than your neighbor. He asks you to be perfect as as God is perfect, as I am perfect. Yeah, that's exactly right. God does not grade on a curve or curb. How do you say? It? He does not grade <laughs> on a curve. He it's not as if I can be uh just a little bit better than Evan and make it into into heaven. No, this is you you know this old joke where the uh, you know the two guys in the sticks and there's a, a bear that's going to chase after him and one guy starts putting on his shoes <laughs> yeah. and he says what what are you doing You can't outrun the bear and he says I don't have to outrun the bear I just have to outrun you. It's <laughs> <laughs> great, but this is not how God judges. It's not uh, as if He takes like the top ten percent of good people and brings them to heaven. It's um. Uh, no, you have to. The perfection that he demands is absolute perfection, his own perfection. And the only way to get that perfection uh, is by faith in Christ, to have it imputed to you. Here, I found the verse in Habakkuk, by the way. This is a marvelous little verse. Habakkuk 1.13, uh, the prayer to God, You are of purer eyes than to behold evil, and cannot look on wickedness, so that the the eyes of the Lord are pure, and so he cannot even behold our sinfulness. Um uh, apart from the death of Jesus and his blood. 
Very good. Well, uh, we're about out of time, so Whoa. Uh, maybe we should uh, head off then to a commercial break and uh, keep playing this game a lot under gospel when we get back. You can still call us on our listener response line. That number is 866-851-5523. That's 866-851-5523. And we like to respond to our listeners on a regular basis. More law and or gospel on Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. And now it's time for Table Talk Extras with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. The law is intent on killing us. And if you need proof of that, you just have to read the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says something like this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and that whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable of hellfire. You see, that law that just stands there by itself, you shall not murder, could perhaps be keepable, doable. I could say that I haven't murdered anyone today because I haven't taken an ice pick to anyone's back or something like this. But when Jesus takes the law, he unfolds the fullness of it. He doesn't dull it. He makes it sharp so that this law cuts. So that when we see Jesus' definition of murder, we know that we have broken it and that this law condemns us. He does the same thing with the law against adultery. If you even look with lust that you've committed adultery in your heart. And so Jesus unfolds the spiritual use of the law, which is to bring us death, to show us that we've all broken the law. And what we deserve because of our breaking the law is God's wrath and his punishment. Then we are ready for Jesus' cross. Because there he bears the wrath and punishment that we deserve because of our sin. There he takes it on ourselves. We murderous, adulterous, lying, blasphemous thieves. We who deserve God's wrath. Instead, Jesus gets it and we get his love, his smile, his forgiveness, his grace, his life, his hope. We get all of these things. Not because we deserve it, but because Jesus died for us. So praise God that through the law we're killed and through the gospel we're made alive. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Be a good praise song for your church, Pastor. <laughs> the music is too good. <laughs> oh, okay, well, uh, it, it's now. T- welcome back to Table Talk Radio, by the way. Uh, everyone's, everyone's favorite favorite theological game show. Oh, we almost did it at the same time. <laughs> that would have been uh, terribly too cheesy. Uh, it's story time, though, with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Gather around, yeah. everyone. Sit on the rug. 
We'll get the puppets out. Story time you, with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. We were talking in the break about this text that you gave from the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And uh, and this language of perfection, I think, is very important. Uh, I, so I remember one time I was in high school. We were we did this nutty sort of trip to camp, one of these crazy high school things. We, we'd, go, we'd get in the bus. There's 40 of us, and we'd drive all night, and then we'd... We'd spend all day at Worlds of Fun in Kansas City, and then we'd drive all night again to get to this camp. This is from New Mexico to Iowa. I mean, it was just insane. Uh, and I think you know, having high school kids tired induces some sort of experience of the Holy Spirit, perhaps. But, <laughs> I think it does. But so, uh, so I'm here we are on the second night. In the middle of the night, it must have been about 3 o'clock, and I couldn't sleep, so I'm there reading uh, the text of the Scripture. I don't even know what I'm reading, but I'm reading through there. And all of a sudden, I realized this. It was like, I was like uh, uh, redoing the story of Luther, sitting there, and all of a sudden, I realized that perfection is uh, both what God demands in the law, but what he gives in the gospel. And all of a sudden, I realized, pow, like this, wow, I'm perfect. I couldn't believe it. So I ran to the front of the bus, and I and I woke up the pastor that was there, and I, hey, 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 how are you? Pastor, pastor, wake up. I got I to gotta tell you something. I, I'm perfect. <laughs> and he, he rolls over like this. He, you know, wipes the sleep out of his eyes, and he says, he says, you're, you're what? <laughs> I said, I'm perfect. In the eyes of Jesus, I'm perfect. I mean, that the fact that I'm forgiven means that I'm perfect and holy in his sight. I, I have even the perfection of God. I mean, this was an amazing sort of thing. And he says, and he, and he says, haven't you been listening to me preach for the past two years? <laughs> in other words, you should know that. And, and, he, and then he looks at me, uh, and, and I'm kind of taken a little bit. You know, I'm pretty excited about this. And he says, he says, you think you'll still be perfect in the morning? <laughs> Let's talk about it then. But it's a marvelous sort of thing that that the perfection that God demands in the law is the perfection that Jesus accomplishes in his life. I mean, he is perfect. And it is the perfection that he gives to us as a complete and uh uh, a free, totally free gift, so that you know people can say uh, nobody's perfect. But this, maybe we should respond and say, you, "Oh, really? I, I'm perfect. Certainly not by the law, by what I do, but by the gospel, I am perfect." And the, and the, maybe the best text for this is this marvelous little text in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, which says, "For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified." So he's busy sanctifying us, but we are perfect in his sight. That's what the forgiveness of sins means. That was a great story, by the way. Hey, thanks. Okay, so let's let's uh, take one more conversation with this. Uh, you know, because I, I all through college, uh, going to this little uh, Methodist Christian school, uh, I heard I heard this passage brought up and they say, "See, uh, God tells us to be perfect." Because you know, uh, John Wesley had this whole teaching on entire sanctification or, or Christian perfection. Right. Uh, perfectionism. Anyway, so they they take this verse and say, "See, uh, God wants us to be perfect, and and He wouldn't command us to do it if if we couldn't do it." Yeah, this is th- this is the anti-Lutheran argument from every side. I mean, from <laughs> the Rome, this comes factors in big with Erasmus. Uh, when Luther, our friend Luther, was debating Erasmus on the freedom of the will, and and the and the thought there is that the commandment implies the ability to keep it. If God commands it, it means we can do it. But what if God has another idea with the commandment? What if the purpose of the commandment is not to uh, to prove that we can do something, but to show us that we can't? Uh, and this is really what God uses the commandments for. 
uh, to show us our own sinfulness. I mean, Paul talks about this very explicitly in Romans when he says the commandment comes along to increase sin. Do you remember that that conversation that Paul has there? Uh, I have to have to track down to find it. But he says the purpose of the commandment is to show us our sinfulness, not to show us our ability to do it. So the idea that the command implies the ability to keep the command uh, is simply not biblical, and it leads to all sorts of dangerous interpretations of the law. Right. Well, and I, I remember some pastor. Maybe it was even you. I don't know who who said it, but I'll take credit for it. <clears throat> um, now, this, this little analogy of, of a of a kid who says, "Yeah, I I can dunk it. I can dunk it," and you say, "Okay, show me. Show me." Bas- you're talking about a basketball. Yeah. What else yeah. would you dunk? Well, I don't know. Donut. <laughs> That's true. Other kids in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, you say okay. Show me, show me you dunk the basketball, and he tries and gets up there and and just falls miserably on his face, you know. And, and so, okay, so by by God commanding us to do something doesn't necessarily mean that we have the ability to do it, but it shows us that we can't do it. That's the exact purpose of saying be be perfect as I'm perfect. Okay, okay, Pharisee, you think you're perfect? Be perfect as I'm perfect. And uh, in, in light of, of of God's perfection, we see. Uh, no, we we are terrible sinners. Yeah, that's right. Here, here's the text in Romans 7, uh, starting at verse 9. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So the, so the work of the commandment is to revive sin and kill us. Aha! That's the very opposite of this, well, God says it so you can do it. You see? Right. Yeah. For sin, verse 11, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment is holy and just and good. Uh, but I, because I'm a sinner, uh, am exposed by the commandments. I mean, if I, if we were without sin, then the commandments wouldn't kill us. But because we are with sin, the commandments come and show us our sinfulness, not our ability to do good and please God. It's the total, it's exact opposite of that. Uh, so we have to be, we have to be completely read, rid of every remnant of this idea that because God commands it means we can do it. That is just false and dangerous. Right. Well, and this, uh, and and this was uh, the great revelation of, of Martin Luther during the Reformation. You know that that uh, he was beating himself up trying to you know make himself good enough for God. Uh, but he, what he read in, in in Romans was that that the law was then to show us the sin. I mean, and so in these uh, in the in the heart of the Reformation, you know, salvation isn't by your works by be, being good enough. Uh, that as as told in the scriptures. Uh, that that salvation is 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 by Christ alone, and so we we say that we are saved by by faith alone, uh, through through Scripture alone, uh, sola scriptura. Yeah, that that, <laughs> that was really bad. No, that was really bad. Okay, do you want to play Ten Commandments in the news? Oh, we're done with the Law and Gospel. Well, what segment are we in? We're in three, and we... well, yeah, let's do or Ten do you, Commandments do you, in the news. Or then. do you want one more? Okay, well. Uh, we we have this. I think you and I kind of had the, the same uh, the same news thing here. But I have audio, and so I'll play the audio for my news clip, and then you can talk more about it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna win points for this, but uh, someone will have to. Probably me. Okay, here, here's the clip. Seventeen-year-old Rifka Berry is going back to her family's home state of Ohio despite her claims that she ran away from home, fearing she'd be killed after converting from Islam to Christianity. A Florida judge says he plans to sign the order as soon as he gets the proper documents. 
Barry disappeared in mid-July and police tracked her to an Orlando area pastor whom she met through the Internet. However, a state law enforcement investigation found no credible threats to her safety and her case is now being transferred back to Ohio. No date has been set for her return, but officials say an Ohio judge will handle the case and she will be placed in the custody of a local child welfare department. The girl's family emigrated to the U.S. from Sri Lanka nearly 10 years ago after she lost sight in one of her eyes and her family sought medical help for her. Sandy Kozell, the Associated Press. Okay, so there's the news clip. And then, Pastor, you have this uh, transcript. Is this like the court he- hearing? Um, it's by the uh, Child Protective Services something or other. And I've, I've been only half listening to you this whole show because I've been reading through this transcript from uh, the interview of this gal with the Child Protective Services. And We know. In, we could tell. What, that I'm only half listening? Yes, because you're only, you're only half uh, speaking as two. But that's go ahead. <laughs> I got one eye, uh, I got my eyes on the thing, and I have my uh, ears on our radio show, and so I, if I can do this kind of Nestorian division of... Uh, oh my goodness. Might be. <laughs> I'll give you one. How many look, points did I get for my buzzword? Um, I don't know, you kind of panicked in the middle of it, didn't you? Yeah. I'll give you 300. All right. Okay, continue with this transcript. But I have this transcript. It's amazing to read this transcript. Uh here she's talking about, she says, I, but I remember Islamic uh, law states that if a person converts from or steps away from their faith, you can ask them if they will return, and only if they do not return back, and if they do return back, they're safe, but if not, they are considered apostate, and by law, you have to kill them. So she's worried about that. Her father, she says, would would uh, boast that their family has had something like a hundred generations of Muslims, and no one has ever left the faith. Uh, really quite incredible. And then it comes down, this is talking about in June when she realizes that things are getting tough and she says, and that's when I thought about baptism. I knew I had to be baptized if I was going to die. And I wouldn't want to know in my mind that this is absolutely terrible. My friends all knew something was wrong, etc., etc. So she wants to be baptized, because, but she's afraid that her baptism um, would mean uh, her own death. Uh, and then she goes outside on the back porch to pray, and her parents are cutting off the phone and computer and everything because they're figuring all this stuff out. It's really quite an incredible story. Yeah, it really is. Uh, well, let, let's hear more. I, I'm really interested in this transcript you have. Let's hear more about it and uh, playing Ten Commandments in the news on the other side of this break. Uh, we like to answer your questions, of course, on Table Talk Radio. Send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. More Table Talk Radio right after this commercial break. Table Talk Radio, for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing this song's that quiet. there's <laughs> just too little love. I was just thinking it was... Cheesy, but okay. Same. Pietist is this? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, welcome to Table Talker Radio. Ten Commandments in the news. We're talking about uh, this uh, what seventeen-year-old girl who 
uh, ran away from home from her her uh, Muslim pa- home, Muslim home. Uh, her parents are Muslim, and and she now has converted to Christianity and does not want to go home because she fears uh, she fears death from her father. And uh, Pastor is reading this transcript that that he found on the internet about uh, this uh, conversation that took place with this with this seventeen year old girl and child protection services. This is really incredible. Here's the what she said. The note that she left for her parents says, "Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I refuse to deny Him." I pray and hope you find his mercy and forgiveness. Love you both dearly. How about that? Hmm. And then boof, she, boom, she's off uh, on the bus or whatever uh, with just a backpack um, getting away. You know, she's worried that uh, she had this uh, a bunch of these conversations about Jesus on Facebook and it had gotten into the Islamic community. So uh, the people are starting to get onto her and this sort of thing. Now, I remember a story. Yeah, another, another reason to not have <clears throat> Facebook. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. I almost get martyred because of it. <laughs> well, she found a bunch of the pastors and things that were she's going to, uh, she's running away from her family through this sort of thing, through Facebook and stuff. Now, I'm not sure how, I mean, uh, the, the orthodoxy of this young lady, but I, I have to tell you that uh, it's really with people converting from Islam to Christianity that you see the importance of baptism because they know, I mean, is they uh, they submit to baptism and they know that this puts a a mark on them, really the mark of uh, of an infidel, uh, because it's the mark of Jesus. I was talking, uh, listening to a young man tell his uh, a testimony from his conversion from Islam to uh, Christianity, and he said he had to come to the United States to be baptized, and when he went back home, his parents found... Uh, um, his baptismal certificate, and three times tried to kill him. They tried to gas him, uh, they tried to poison him, and they tried to push him off the balcony until finally they had him arrested and beaten in prison, uh, and he had to flee over here to the United States. Uh, this is really incredible, the, the people converting from Islam to Christianity uh, and and being afraid for their lives. It's yeah. a serious deal. Well, I have another another news article and then or news news audio clip, and we can maybe listen to this and then take these two together and talk about the commandments involved. Uh, here it is. A manhunt has now been launched for this father, suspected of running down his 20-year-old daughter. Police say the Arizona man believed the woman was becoming too westernized and wasn't living according to their traditional Iraqi values. He was not happy with her and was very mad at her because she was not following their traditional family values. The daughter and her 43-year-old female roommate were struck Tuesday in a Phoenix area parking lot. The daughter remains hospitalized with life-threatening injuries. The second woman wasn't seriously hurt. A neighbor who didn't want to be identified expressed concern about the family. They haven't been in this neighborhood, you know, in a while, but absolutely I would be concerned because he has, you know, younger children. The father was last seen driving a 2000 Jeep Grand Cherokee with an Arizona license plate. Diane Kepley, The Associated Press. Okay, so here we have another example um, of the the same thing, right? Uh, And and, and maybe it should be pointed out here that... that, uh, what they what th- their actions are doing is is to is in line with with what the Quran teaches. The, the Quran teaches all over and over that that uh, that this is the the right course of action for one who who converts from the Islamic uh, religion to Christianity. That, that they, as you said, are now infidels. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of different flavors of Islam. I mean, there's kind of watered down Islam, and then there's um, you know kind of more zealous Islam. But this is you're right. I mean, this is it. When it gets down to it, this is a, you know one of the most serious sins against Allah is to become an apostate, uh, to deny the faith, or to, to become a Christian is really a, 
uh, is really quite a thing. So, um, and so this is a, a, a this is a very serious uh, issue to take up. I mean, and really, when we talk about what commandments are involved, the fifth commandment is the is the chief one. There, you shall not kill. Look at you can't kill someone. I mean, this is um, conversion is not a capital crime. Uh, so th- I mean that's the first one, but then really uh, kind of the um, the commandment that that's at the heart of this is the second commandment, uh, the name of God. What what is His truth? Um, you know, there's all these attempts to talk about the the similarities between Christianity and Islam, but they are fundamentally at the very heart of things. They are fundamentally the opposite religion. I was having coffee down at the uh, what was this place? Caribou Coffee with. Uh, with Muhammad, the um, president of the uh, Islamic Society, Colorado Islamic Society, and I asked him this just because I wanted his opinion. I said, look, it, uh, let me tell you the difference between Christianity and Islam the way I see it. Uh, and he conferred that this is true. I said, in Islam, everything in creation exists to serve Allah, and to be a Muslim is to be completely submissive and subservient to Allah. True? True. And I said, with Christianity, the whole point of everything is that God comes to serve us sinners in the person of Christ. God serves us. He dies for us. He brings us his love and his mercy. And he said, yes, that's different. Uh, And it is. We have two fundamentally different understandings of God at work here. Um, and and we in the Christian church need to know that and to not be confused about it, to think that, well, we all worship the same God or something. No, that is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, be, yeah, and that, that cracks me up because the, what, the, what a lot of people do is they'll uh, point to the similarities of, of, of Islam and Christianity uh, from, like, Genesis to the, the, the first uh, parts of the Old Testament, you know, and say, look, it's the same God. They just have, you know, different different views on, on how you come to this God. Um, but as, as we've discussed before on this radio program, that uh, the Islamic religion teaches that that uh, that God cannot cannot uh, take on human flesh. In fact, it's it's impossible to do so. And also that that one cannot die for the sins of another. And so this is the, the exact opposite of Christianity. You're going to say that that we worship the same God, but but here we have Islam who rejects Jesus Christ, you know, and and I don't think they have a Holy Spirit concept of the, of the third person either, do they? Uh, no, no, of course not. Uh, God, God is a kind of um, has this uh, marvelous simplicity, so that um, anything any talk about three or two or something is understood by them as polytheism. So. The, uh, the doctrine of Trinity, uh, the Quran interprets the doctrine of the Trinity as polytheistic. Right. So. All right. Well, uh, what t- what of uh, the Ten Commandments are b- being dealt with here? Well, five. We said five. We said two. Uh, what else? I mean, really, how about the fourth commandment? Now, this is a tricky one, isn't it? Because the the Child Protective Services are saying that there was no threat, there was no credible threat, and so they're sending her back home. Um, saying that she has broken the fourth commandment, um, but uh, when your life is in danger, then it is good to be protected from that. Uh, and so, when when family won't protect the life of their children, um, then really the, the church or the state or some other estate jumps in to try to protect the lives of children. So, um, so the fourth commandment is in play here. What else? Uh, I got 
I got nothing. Okay. Well, that's good. Is that good? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got I got another one. You want to want to do this again? Sure. All right. Well, here it is. The Catholic Church has launched a surprise plan to win over Anglicans who have been disillusioned with their own church. The Holy Father has approved an apostolic constitution which sets forth a canonical provision to facilitate the a kind of corporate reunion of Anglican groups. The new provision will allow Anglicans to join the Catholic Church while maintaining their Anglican identity and many of their liturgical traditions. That includes allowing married Anglican priests to become ordained Catholic priests. The process is aimed at those who have grown dissatisfied with the Anglican Church over its ordination of women and election of openly gay bishops. The Vatican says it's doing this because it's received a number of requests from Anglicans. However, officials declined to give an exact figure on how many people have requested to convert, and they are not stating how many people they think will take advantage of this offer. Diane Kepley, The Associated Press. Okay, we just have a couple of minutes to talk about this, Pastor, and I want to get your reaction, but uh, I, I found it fascinating what the reporter said about the reason they're doing it. The reason is so many people have requested it. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, that's right. Send in your request to become a Roman Catholic <laughs> priest. I didn't know the Pope had like a request box there. I, I, here's oh, yeah. another news headline, which I think is hilarious, which is the other side. This is from Friday, October 9th. The, art, the, the quote, the Archdiocese of Miami is becoming a reoccurring episode of the Jerry Springer show. All that's missing is a little pew tossing and a big security guard named Steve. <laughs> And that's and that's this guy Todd Wright. He's in Miami writing about a Catholic priest, David Dupin, who fathered a child with a stripper. A former Catholic priest, Albert Cutie, who joined the Episcopal Church so he could marry his girlfriend. So normally this is going the other direction. These Catholic priests uh, are bailing out uh, because of some sin or some uh, something other, and then they become priests in the Episcopalian Church. It's hilarious. I mean, if any Catholic priest asked to become a, uh, a Episcopalian priest, they should just put them under house, house arrest, knowing that whatever their crime is is going to pop up here in a little bit. All right. Well, un- unfortunately, we're out of time oh, to uh, to name these uh, commandments. But that'll be your homework. So right, uh, name right, these commandments right. and call us at 866-851-5523 and see if you can identify the commandments. Thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like the theological insights of Madonna. Really not worth that much. Not worth a thing, are they? (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message. 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.